had an opportunity uh, to get away, the board and myself, uh, for a board retreat for the spring. And it was really dynamic. And I know some of you were aware of that and praying for us. And I want to um, uh, share some of the challenge that we uh, kind of wrestled with on our time away. And it's all rooted in one question. And I, this is an important question for us. Who is the one person in your life who desperately needs the Lord? Who do you know in your life there it just grieves you that they don't have a relationship with Jesus? Can you think of somebody in your life that that kind of fits the bill? Uh, it may take a second, and even during the service today, before somebody comes to mind. Um, but my challenge to us is to identify one person who needs the Lord. And then as we progress through the service today, I believe God's going to give you some insight and some strength to help with that question. The reason this question is so important, church, is that it is the reason that we exist, isn't it? It's the, it answers the why. It, for the church, it clarifies how we spend our time and our resources. It clarifies why we're building a building. It's to reach one more, to make an impact in one more person's life, one at a time. And personally, when you ask that question, it answers the question of how will I live my life, my focus, my time, my resources, you fill in the blank. And again, it's to reach one more. How many have ever heard the, uh, someone say, oh, Lord, come quickly, because the Bible talks about the Lord coming back for us. Have you ever heard that? Just give me a nod head. Or the, yeah, I want to warn you. Uh, the guy that came and worked with us uh, on our retreat said, look, if that was the case, if the Lord was to return today, that one person that came to mind or is going to come to mind in your life, they would spend an eternity away from you and away from their heavenly Father, Jesus, they would spend an eternity away from Jesus. And that is not acceptable. And so we've got work to do. And we talk about the return of the Lord maybe being slow. I believe it's God's mercy on his people to reach one more. On our time away, we also uh, discussed a simple view of spiritual growth. And I want to show you a picture that we're kind of, it's in process. This is rough draft. Uh, Pastor Bobby, when I shared this with uh, the team, he put this together within like 10 minutes. I don't know, man. It was awesome. It was like boom, boom, boom. And uh, it was great. But it kind of captures something that it, it will kind of set us uh, up for what God wants to do today. In the upper right-hand corner, there's a quadrant of this circle that says seeker. There are people that are looking for something. These are people represented uh, potentially in the life of a church. There are four kinds of people that could, could come or to be a part of our church. The first is seeker. The second, as you move down and around, is uh, an infant disciple. And there's a line there that once someone gives their heart to the Lord, there's a salvation experience, they connect with God, then they are infant believers. They're an infant disciple. Once they do that, they move on 
to a maturing disciple. This would characterize, uh, my guess, probably the majority of us that are in the room. Uh, those are the, of us that love the Lord. Those that are, uh, they tithe regularly, they are faithful, and, uh, and they're, they're maturing disciples. But then there's a fourth quadrant of people that are totally surrendered to the Lord. You tracking with me so far? And so, and what this is, it's a distinction that is challenging to me. I pray that it'll be challenging to you. It's a person that is totally surrendered saying, my life is not my own. My priority in life is to please God and to make an impact in everything I do. And this is not just describing missionaries or pastors. This is you in the workplace saying, whatever I do, I'm going to make a difference. This is you raising kids at home saying, in my role here at home, I'm going to make a difference. It's you at your school saying, I will make an impact. I'm going to serve the Lord and my life is going to matter for Jesus. It's a total surrender. So what we did on our board retreat is we looked at a diagram similar to this and we said in these four areas, what percent of our average Sunday attendance would fit? Where could we fit people into these things? And it had to equal up to 100%. And so we did that. And each of the board members and I did this and then we were led through a process. And in reality, when we do that, and if you were to kind of put some numbers in your mind, I'd be curious to see where you would fit yourself. Uh, but also, would you ask the question, why aren't there more infant disciples in our midst? Or why aren't there more total surrender people here? Or maybe the worst question, why aren't there many seekers on a week-in and week-out basis here at the Gateway Church? And I think the reason is because we have gotten off course. We've been stalled in our process, and I want to talk about that. For a seeker that comes to the Lord, has a salvation experience, which, by the way, we're going to give you the opportunity. If you don't know the Lord today, uh, by the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to, to receive Him. It that first connection, we call it connecting with God. It's where you start to live out your mission uh, and what God has called you to do. And then you move into this infant stage and there's a disconnected a little circle there that kind of makes you go backwards. And the idea here is if you are a maturing or a uh, infant disciple and you do not get connected with other people, you will be stalled in the process. It is absolutely critical for you to connect with other people. And so that's why we've got our connecting groups, our men's and women's ministries, our student ministries, all are described or are designed to bring people together beyond a Sunday morning experience. Because here, it's, it's hard to connect shoulder to shoulder, uh, even at the end of the service. And so that's important. But then we want to move on. And once we're connected with others, we move into this realm of maturing disciples. But maturing disciples can get off track as well. They can get off mission. They can get stalled. And the way that happens is through an inward focus. If it becomes all about them, about my church, my seat, my mu the music the way I like it, me, 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 you fill in the blanks, it will stall their growth 
and will, in, will not allow them to move to that total surrender. And that total surrender comes when you say, you know what, I'm going to care for the world. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to connect with the Lord. And so you can kind of see our mission being lived out, and we want to bring people through to that place. What's interesting about this diagram is there's a way to get stalled even if you are totally surrendered. And it's one of two things, either fear or apathy. If you get to a place where you say, well, I'm total surrendered, I'm giving up. But then if you grow cold and you say, you know what, I, it doesn't matter as much or I'm not going to reach out or you forget about the one person in your life that grieves you that they don't know the Lord, you could potentially get stalled as well. And the idea here, when you look at this, is to be activated and to bring people to a place of total surrender. And then when you're in that place, the idea is that if you're in that spot of total surrender, that you'd be reaching forward to reach one more, but also to be reaching back to bring a maturing disciple to a place of total surrender. And that happens in community. And that's our goal. That's what we believe that God wants to see happen here at the Gateway Church over and over and over. But as we identify this, the board and the staff this week as we debriefed, we, when we look at this model, there is a serious problem that we have. We are bottom heavy on this graph. And like many churches, we fight the tendency to be inward focused. And it's hard to say that, but it's probably true in a lot of cases. And the goal for us is to move more people to total surrender, to reach one more again, and then to be mentoring, to be bringing a mature disciple to a place of total surrender. And the problem is it's a human tendency for us to start off right, but then to get off track, isn't it? How many of you have ever happened, has that ever happened in your life? You slow down, you lose intensity, maybe you're on mission at one point, and then you've been stalled. And if we are not intentional, we will shrink, we will become ineffective as a church, and I would say even as individuals, and eventually as a church, we would die if we don't address this in our lives. And so it's an important thing. Now, it's interesting that as I was studying for this week, um, the Lord kept on bringing me back to this. Of course, it was fresh in my mind. I was sharing it with the staff and with the board uh, and with other leaders um, in the church, a small group of people. But there was a similar time that the disciples had a chance that they could have got stalled or kind of put things on pause or got off mission. And it was really right after Jesus died and then he rose again and then he ascended into heaven and then the disciples are left and the, there was a high probability of them not moving forward unless the Lord was to intervene. They had lost their leader. They were scattered they had very little resources. They were left with this mandate that no one had ever been a part of. They didn't know what to do. And they were grieving the loss of their friend Jesus, who had led them for three years. And they were in a place that they needed to be activated. They needed something, a catalyst to make the difference in their lives. And so in the first two chapters of Acts, we're told, as you read, it kind of a story unfolds where the Lord knew and he had a plan and he knew how to activate the disciples. And what happened in the disciples' lives, it changed the course of the church forever. 
History was changed. There's no debate about that. You say, well, what happened? Well, in the first two chapters, in chapter 2, when you move into chapter 2 of Acts, and you can turn there, we're going to read it here in a minute, um, they, were, they were celebrating the day of Pentecost. At the same time, they were following Jesus' orders to wait for the promise of something that was to come, of the Spirit to come. And so they were celebrating Pentecost. It was not a sacred day. It was just one of the many festivals within the church camp calendar and it was a feast of pentecost it was always in the springtime after easter after the resurrection it ended up being but it was some a time to to be thankful for the harvest that god was going to be bringing and so they would pause everything was in the ground and they would celebrate pentecost it was something in the in the jewish calendar there's a spiritual tie to that when you think about it when we look at what the purpose of pentecost is in the life of a believer the harvest that god is going to be bringing we can celebrate pentecost believing god for a harvest of believers it's pretty exciting when you look into that but you say well what happened on this day of pentecost well god himself he helped the disciples and he fulfilled two needs two needs were fulfilled in that setting on the day of pentecost number one the disciples drew near to Jesus, knew, drew near to God, and they, they restored a relationship and an intensity of prayer. But then also, number two, they were sent at that point into the world. They had a heart for the lost and a boldness to boot, and they were able to make a difference. Now, in Acts chapter 2, we see that unfold. I'm going to read just a couple of verses here, and we want to we preach uh, little today and pray long today. And so that's the expectation. So I, um, I want to just uh, let you know that. But look what it says. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and separated uh, and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what's interesting about this is there's a progression. They were all together in one place. They were waiting for the promise that Jesus said he was going to send another comforter. And they were drawing near. They were seeking God. They were connecting with the Lord. But then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then if you continue to read, which we're not going to take the time to do, they began the church with an incredible response of reaching the lost. 3,000 people came to the Lord. Peter was changed because of Pentecost, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was not the same man that he was, that was denying Christ and hiding in the crowd. He was now bold as a lion. Again, what happened? Two things happened in this setting when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were drawing near to God and they were sent into the world. And it happened on the day of Pentecost, at that Feast of Pentecost. And so churches like ours, the Gateway Church is a Pentecostal church, churches like ours that embrace the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we call ourselves Pentecostal believers, and it's rooted in Acts chapter 2. And whether you knew that or not, that we're a Pentecostal church, we are. And um, 
But there's some challenges that come with that. In our limited minds, we cannot understand everything that God does in what God has for us. And it's somewhat confusing when you read the New Testament. There are actually five terms or five phrases that are used to describe the same thing. And sometimes it can be confusing. I'll give you the five, five phrases. Number one, receiving the Holy Spirit. That's one way that it's described, uh, this experience that we're going to talk about this morning. The second is baptism in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, and we'll talk about that as well. The third is the promise of the Father, which was the filling or the receiving of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fourth is a receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the fifth one is simply being filled with the Holy Spirit. In all of these talk about the same thing, and it's important to, to know that when you're reading Scripture that we're talking about that exact same thing. And so what happened throughout the New Testament, there was a pattern that was established. It was established by God pouring out His Spirit and believers getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And we track that. It's in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19 is the classic look at a Pentecostal um, baptism in the Holy Spirit discussion. We talk at length about that in Get Connected. And I want to encourage you, tonight's Get Connected. If you haven't been through, we're not talking about Pentecost tonight, but uh, it's one of the areas that we bring and we focus on, and it's excellent. But in every case, in all these cases, five different times, the pattern in the new church, every time there was, number one, there was a radical change of the New Testament believer. They were not the same after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The second thing that we see is a pattern is that in every case, there was a pattern that the believer began to speak in other tongues. Three out of five of those cases is very specific. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues. In the other two, it's inferred that, that something happened. There was, it doesn't say they spoke in tongues, but in one case, a magician wanted to buy the power. What did he want? He noticed that there was power, but they were speaking in tongues, um, I believe, and he was saying, I want to buy that gift. And they, of course, couldn't sell that gift but that was inferred in the other two. And then some people say, well, in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, uh, Paul doesn't mention uh, a prayer language specifically, and most commentators, at least from a Pentecostal bent, would believe that Paul would have understood that the believers there spoke in tongues, that they had a prayer language, and that was to be understood. So what happened in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room, it was repeated on several occasions. In Cornelius' house, all the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues. It was repeated 25 years later at Ephesus. It was repeated, the experience in Samaria. It, the experience was repeated in Saul's life. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues. It was the initial sign that they'd been filled. And Pentecost became the central point of the New Testament uh, Christians. And what's interesting is something I read this week that I had never seen, is that every New Testament writer was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues. And what's interesting is it's grown to, by the best estimates, over 700 million believers today 
in our in our world our pentecostal have experienced pentecost in the same way acts chapter 2 and yes just to make sure that you know your pastor i speak in tongues as well and what's cool is every single person on staff speaks in tongues and all of my board members we all speak in tongues and there are many others in our congregation that speak in tongues. And I want you to know we are not wacky, okay? <laughs> We're just not. We are, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We love the Lord. And we are not elitist. We're not better than anyone else. We're not some super Christian. But it still comes back to this, uh, these two basic results. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, it draws us closer to the Lord. And it gives us a heart for the lost. And that is where we want to focus this morning. And when we think about those two things, drawing close to the Lord and reaching the lost, reaching one more in our lives, how many would say, I desire that in my life? I desire that. And if that's your desire, if that's your heart, you can experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and it will help you to accomplish both of those things. So today is Pentecost Sunday, and it's so funny because uh, we started the service, Pastor Bobby says, hey, welcome to Pentecost, or something like that. And if you're not aware of what that means and don't have any context, I'm thinking, okay, Pentecost, whatever that is. I mean, maybe that's a new hot dog after church, you know, we get, we get I don't know. But anyway, but Pentecost, it's rooted in what happened on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, but when we talk about Pentecost Sunday, we need to identify the question, why tongues? Why was there this initial physical evidence? And theologically, there is a strong case for initial physical evidence, uh, that sign of speaking in tongues. Um, and that, I think that is defendable. But why tongues? Our general superintendent, when he was talking about this, he said this, he said, when our most unruly part of the body, talking about our tongue, is yielded to the Lord, it is a sign that Jesus has all of us. When we yield, whether there's a, this divine cooperation, our tongue yielding to the Lord, there is something supernatural that happens. And so we talk about that speaking in tongues. And to some, it may sound weird, and I get that at first. There are lots of misconceptions around it. it boy, if I speak in tongues, I'm going to have to uh, public, have the public utterance of speaking in tongues. I'll have to speak out in a different tongues in front of everybody, and that's just not the case. Or some people think, boy, if I begin to speak in tongues, I'm going to lose control of my speech. Or there's other, maybe other fears around that. And actually, I just want you to know, it's actually quite the opposite. It's quite refreshing it's powerful, and I, as your pastor, cannot imagine a day going by where I didn't tap into a prayer language that the Lord has filled me with. And for me, my story was easy, and it's, it's interesting to kind of see. For me, I had a great-grandma Miller that spoke in tongues a lot, I heard. Um, I never heard her uh, pray, but my, the story on the street is, in, even in her sleep, she would pray in tongues and be interceding while she was sleeping. And uh, that, was, that was the history. And so I am fourth-generation 
Pentecost, and I have heard my grandma and grandpa, Mary and Zoltan, and some of you guys know them, um, they have, I heard them growing up and still do when we pray. I'll hear them pray in the Spirit. My parents both were filled with the Holy Spirit, and I remember times at church and even at home where I'd hear them pray in the Spirit. And it was easy for me when I was 10 years old and had an opportunity to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was easy for me to step out and say, yes, I want to receive. And when I did, at a powwow, at a camp out, around a fire, my dad was there with me. We went forward. I prayed, and the Lord filled me with the Holy Spirit. And it was just one syllable or two syllables at first. And over the years, it has grown and has been an incredible asset, a strength, a power, a comfort in my life. And I am jealous for all of you to experience what I have experienced because it does indeed draw you closer to the Lord and it helps you with your heart for the loss to identify that one that needs to be reached and how to reach them, how to teach them. But that's my story. I know for others, it's a real struggle. There's misunderstandings of Scripture. Sometimes it's an incomplete understanding. Sometimes it's a warped view. Um, I was saying first service that, you know, if, especially if you grew up, you know, uh, if you're older than I am, uh, they used to say the Holy Ghost. And sometimes, you know, I'm thinking ghost. I don't want anything to do with a ghost, right? It was something spooky or scary. And then you put the Holy on it. And then you see someone that says they're Pentecostal or filled with the Holy Spirit, that they've got the Holy Ghost right and you're saying yeah right i know them they're just a nasty old person or whatever and they're very ferris did i just say that um not it doesn't happen here but uh uh, but they're like a pharisee saying boy they're not holy and so there's misconceptions or sometimes we've experienced and i've seen this where with the holy spirit there it, it goes from spirit to flesh And the flesh takes control of the Spirit and overshadows what the Holy Spirit might be doing. And it diminishes the work and the flesh takes over. And so there's a lot of different reasons why people struggle with this baptism in the Holy Spirit. But in reality, can I just encourage you? That the Holy Spirit is described as a person, not this weird force to be reckoned with. He's described as a warm comforter. He's described as holy. Uh, Jesus said that, uh, th- that he was going to send another comforter. That word another is another of the same kind. And so in other words, he was, the Holy Spirit is like Jesus, and he provides fellowship and connection for each of us. He makes it available to us. And the problem we may have today is not so much an awareness of, yes, we are Pentecostal, but our Achilles heel Maybe not doctrinally, because I do believe that the initial physical evidence is defendable, but the problem could be is that when we say we're a Pentecostal church, but then very few people actually practice Pentecost on a daily basis or aren't activating the Holy Spirit to be at work, drawing close or reaching out to the lost. Or the problem could be that we testify about having this access to power to reach the lost, and then on an individual basis or even on a church-wide, we're not living out the mission that God has called us to. And it's scary. 
and we're not reaching the lost. We're not seeing the power of God. And the problem is that it becomes lip service or title only. And I would say, Lord, help us. Lord, help us in these areas. And by the way, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not about the evidence. It's not about tongues. The purpose is to draw close to the Lord and to reach the lost, which result in an enduring evidence, amen, of life marked of total surrender. And that goes back to our, our initial conversation of total surrender. And so this morning, I want to be super clear. For me, as your pastor, I want to be personally hungry for the Lord in my life. That is a goal of mine. I want to be red hot, on fire for Jesus all the days of my life. And I'm not afraid to say it. Amen? I want to be the type of person that says, Lord, if you have something for me, and it's real, and it's authentic, I want it. I want it. I want to experience everything that God has for me. That's the kind of person I want to be. And my understanding of God is that He has the capacity to give me more. When you read Scripture, He offers more to us. And I have a capacity to receive more in my life. And we call that being filled with the Holy Spirit also, or refilled with the Holy Spirit, that it's a continual uh, challenge because we leak, don't we? Or we evaporate. If you were filled at one time and your bucket is just put on the shelf and it's left there over time, how many know there's an evaporation process and what you once had, you don't have today for some reason. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit should be ongoing in our lives. And that's what we want to address this morning. We've created some space to do that. And so I'm just going to pray and then we're going to, I'm going to lead you through uh, a time this morning. Lord, I just pray that these next few moments, God, that you would capture our hearts. God, I thank you, God, that you have got your hand on us and have prepared us for this moment. And Lord, no matter what our background was, whether it's like mine, that it was easy, or I've seen Pentecost, or seen uh, you know, praying in the Spirit or in a heavenly language, and it's not foreign, or maybe someone's here for the first time and has never heard about this ever before. Lord, I pray that you would work that out, that you would reveal yourself to each and every one of us. Because Lord, we need a close, strong relationship with you. And we need a hunger for the lost to reach one more. God, we can't live another day without that passion. Lord, I pray that you would help us over these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now I want your eyes on me just for a moment. I want to be very clear that we believe, I believe this deeply, that every believer has the Spirit of God. If you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you have Jesus inside of you. You also have the Holy Spirit and the Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You get the entire package. And with that, I want to offer salvation. I want to give you that opportunity. If you don't know the Lord this morning, and you're in that seeker category, and you've been contemplating your life, and you're looking for something, 
Well, what you're looking for is Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord and you're ready to receive him, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here this morning? Second service says, yep, that's me. I don't know the Lord. I want a relationship with Jesus. Anyone at all? Just looking around. My right, your left. In the center section. My left, your right. Anyone at all? Don't want to take it for granted. Or let me just say, is there anyone here that would like to come back to the Lord? You feel like you've gotten off track. Saying, boy, I need to recommit my life to the Lord. Anyone here this morning? Okay. Yeah, thank you. Sure. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, you bet. Who else this morning? Just saying, man, that's where I am, if I'm honest. I feel like I've drifted. I feel like I'm away from the Lord. Okay. There are a few ladies and a young lady. Let's pray for them. Lord, I just pray that in this moment you would just restore the hunger, restore the joy of salvation inside of them. In each of these cases, God, I pray that you'd pour out your spirit on them. And God, that you would help them to grow and not to get stuck in any way. But Lord, you would activate their lives. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now. If I could just talk a little bit about being filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all, it's not the highest goal of Christian experience, okay? That would be the wrong motivation. I also want to say that you can experience something with God that you don't understand completely. And the case in point is how many, when you came to the Lord and received Jesus as your Savior, how many understood exactly 100% what you were doing. I know I didn't, <laughs> all right? It's a process. And I would say the same can be true with the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And, but it does bring us to the point of saying, do we need the Holy Spirit? And this morning in my office, I made a short list. I believe that, there, that the Holy Spirit is needed if God is calling you out of complacency. And maybe you're up on the shelf and you need to be back in the game you need the Holy Spirit. If you're tripping through a long life and you're just kind of moseying here and there, you need the Holy Spirit. I believe that for some, God is calling you to total surrender. And with that, you need to be activated by the Holy Spirit. You, for those that need to hear from God like you've never heard before, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are at a crossroad in your life. You have a critical decision, and you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if none of those appeal or resonate with you, I think every person here could identify one that needs Jesus. And because of that one person that needs the Lord, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to be activated in your life. And so this morning, in my estimation, you need the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled. And I need to be filled and refilled. And this morning, there, I realize that some Christians, they remain at the cross. And that's great that they're saved and they're going to heaven. There are other Christians that will maybe remain at the empty tomb and they never get beyond that in their walk with the Lord. But I want to invite you to Pentecost, where there's a harvest that's being expected of souls and that you're going to be a part of. 
And not only the harvest, but there's a closeness that comes in seeking God. And this morning, we want to set an atmosphere where God can do just that, where we can draw close and we can consider the one that needs to be reached. And if you're in with me on that, I'm going to ask that you would stand. And we're going to spend a moment here just setting our hearts before the Lord. And then we'll be activated here momentarily. And we'll talk through that. But let's sing this song. It's about the presence of God. Hallelujah. Let's sing it together. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Found in your hands. Yes, Lord. In the presence of the Lord, here in your presence, His presence is here. Let's sing it. Oh, none of these shall fade away. Every crown on display. Here in your presence. I love this part. Let's sing it out. Heaven is all your wonders. Yes, Lord. Kingdoms and kingdoms are standing away. Here in your presence, we are Let's sing verse 2. Your presence, all things are new. Here in your presence, heaven bows before you. Now verse 2. Found in your Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord, here in your presence. Oh, Lord, here in your presence. Let's just lift our hands here in your presence. We're pressing into the Lord. Here in your presence, heaven and earth become one. Here in your presence 
I just feel even more impressed than first service that there are those here this service that absolutely need to be filled with the Holy Spirit for what you're facing, for what you're up against. And whether you've been filled in the past or you've never been filled, I believe God wants to do that this morning, right here, right now. So I'm just going to ask, how many here this morning have, have never been filled with the Holy Spirit and you desire to have that experience of God in filling you, baptizing you in the Holy Spirit? If that's you, I want you just to lift up your hand. Yep, there's lots of hands, sure. All right. In just a moment, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask that you come with everyone else because everyone else is going to come too, okay? And I want you to get up nice and close and I want you, you're going to be encouraged by those that have been filled previous that are going to be refilled. And I want to address everyone else that's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you say, even if I practice the presence of God, could your capacity be bigger this morning? That God would touch you in a greater way. If that's you and you're hungry for the uh, fresh filling of his presence to be filled again, to be refilled, would you just lift up your hand where you are? Yeah, yeah, lots of hands, sure. Awesome, awesome. And I know there are those that are total surrender, that are here, that are just loving the Lord. I'm going to ask that you come as well, that are filled with the Holy Spirit. On the count of three, uh, I'm going to just ask that you move forward, and that we're just going to fill the altar, and then I've got some instructions. So just on the count of three, one, two, three, I'm just asking that you come to prepare your hearts for God to just fill us, to baptize us, to put us to a place where we're overflowing in our lives. And if that's whether you've never been filled or you desire to be filled or refilled, God wants to touch your life today. And again, I believe deeply, I could almost point you out this morning, but there are those that need the filling of the Holy Spirit for what's coming up, what you're facing in your life. And maybe it's been a while since you've uh, kind of shaked this tree, so to speak, but God wants to meet you right here, right now. And so with that, I'm going to ask you for, a, for maybe a minute or two to praise the Lord in your own voice out loud. It's really practical, all right? And we're going to do that. Now, there's something practical that in a moment, I'm going to ask that you stop praying in, in English. And you, there's a, something practical. You can't speak in tongues and speak in English at the same time. So I'm just going to, there'll be a point I'll say, and receive the Holy Spirit. And at that point, I want you just to stop praying in English. And I want you to pray in a heavenly language. Now, What's interesting is I studied this, and even our general superintendent, he kind of describes that he believes that the Holy Spirit is inside of us and that there is a prayer language inside of each of us that we just have to activate. There are, there's a language that's ready to be uh, utilized, and we just have to have the faith to step out and say, okay, 
I'm going to trust you, God. And I'm going to stop praying in English or praising in English. And I'm going to worship the Lord in a heavenly language. And it is a faith walk, but we're going to engage together. But something we can all do is we can pray in English. We can praise our Lord in English. And so let's just do that to start. Let's just set our hearts before him. You may want to lift your hands and just pray, just press in, say, God, we love you. We bless your holy name. Holy Spirit, come down this morning. Meet us here today. We need you, God. Lord, we love you. We bless your name. You are the almighty God. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, God. We honor you, God, for who you are in our lives. Holy Spirit, have your way. God, meet us right now, right here, oh God, I pray. Set a fire in our soul, God. Lord, move in our hearts, God. God, I pray. Oh, Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah, God. Lord, that you would do a mighty work inside of us, God. Oh, God, move in our wits. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that we, as we ask for your Holy Spirit to fill us, God, we know that you give your children good gifts. And God, right now, we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Just in your own words, say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come on, fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name. And now, I want you to stop praying in English, and I want you to pray in the Spirit as the Lord gives you utterance all across this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take a step of faith. Begin to pray as the Lord leads you. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on. Keep it up. Praise you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. And you're encouraging someone in front of you as they hear you pray. Oh God, pour out your power. Pour out your presence. We take a step of faith. We work in divine cooperation with you, God. We stir up the gift. Oh God, draw us close to you. Draw us close to you, God. Give us a heart for the lost, God, I pray. Prepare us, God, for what's next. From the front to the back, Lord. Oh, I praise you. I praise you. I just want to know how many, by a show of hands, have a, were filled with the Holy Spirit or refilled in this setting, saying, God just met me in this moment, and that you were able to speak in a prayer language. Just, I just want to see a show of hands. All right, lots of hands. Yeah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We're going to just worship here for a moment, and I want to encourage you as we worship to just take that step of faith and just continue to press in. And again, it's not about 
tongues. It's, it's about the pursuit of God and having a heart for the lost. And that's what we want to do is create this atmosphere where we can leave and with God, a mandate from the Lord to reach the lost. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this together. There's no place I'd rather be. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Praise you, God. Continue to pray in the Spirit. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than here in your love. I'd rather be no place I'd rather be no place I'd rather be than here in your love oh, oh. oh God we want to be in your presence God Lord with your people Lord hallelujah let's sing set a fire set a fire down in my soul and thing that I can't control I want more of you God I want more of you with our hands raised let's sing it fire down in my soul can't complain that I can't control I want more of you God I want more. One more time. Set a fire. Set a fire. Oh, yeah. I'd rather be no place than here in your love. No place I'd rather be, rather be than here in your love. Set up. I can't control I want more more of you Jesus I want more of you God more of you God I want more I want more I want Expand our capacity, Lord. Oh, I'm so 
you experienced the ability, you took a step of faith and you prayed out in another tongue, I'm just going to encourage you just for another minute here. Let's do that together because it's not just something that happens once. It's something that needs to be repeated and it needs to be cultivated in our lives. And it can happen here at an altar. It can happen in your car as you're worshiping down the road. It can happen as you're falling asleep. And if you weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I just want to encourage you, it's not about tongues. It's about the pursuit of God. And it's about, and you've drawn close to the Lord. Any time you spend, where you're in the presence of God does not go unnoticed. And so, but let's just do that. Let's just stir that gift up one more time and then we'll uh, have a kind of a final uh, closing prayer and you can stay as long as you want, but let's just do that. Let's stir that gift up one more time. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, speak it out. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, show it all that I love so. It may just be one syllable or one small sentence. Take a step of faith. Lord, thank you for your filling. Show what I was so. God, I don't so. I don't so. I don't so. Fill us up, I want more, I want more of you, I want more, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, God, praise your name, praise you, God, Lord, you're beautiful, you are awesome, God, you at the end of first service there was a student that was just kind of sitting in the back over on this side he's in our youth group and uh, he was just kind of sitting there and I went and uh, it's actually a couple students um, but the one I was one was a young man he's uh, uh, almost finished with high school and um, he's just sitting there and I went and sat down next to him and kind of said, hey, you know, were you filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, well, he said, I don't think so. And, uh, and I kind of shared what I just shared a few minutes ago. It's about the pursuit of God. And, and I just put my arm around him. And I just want to, I encouraged him. I said, look, your 
sensitivity just to even just be in the presence of God is a step in the right direction. And God, in his time, and, and uh, sometimes it's our mind that gets in the way, but uh, he wants to give you good gifts. And he wants to use you far beyond what you could imagine. And so this drawing close this morning, there's a purpose behind it. It's not just to feel good, although how many know it feels good to be in the presence of God, doesn't it? And uh, I mean, I don't want to leave. I mean, I just want to be here, you know? And, uh, and that's important. But if it doesn't generate a desire to reach one more, I would question the authenticity. But as we leave here, we have got a mandate. The reality, if we put that graph back up, we have very few non-believers in our midst on a regular Sunday morning. It's just the reality. And that's a problem from the leadership all the way down. And we've got to address that. And it's something we, as we pray, God can give us boldness to be inviting. And we can, God can give us boldness to make a difference in someone else's life. And I want to end on that idea of there's one person and maybe God has put a person in your life that uh, brought it right to the front this morning. And I want you just right now just to present that person to the Lord. Um, I want you just to say their name out loud or if it's a couple people, just say their names and, um, and then I'm going to close in prayer momentarily. Just say their name. Say, Dear Lord, I pray for Charlie. I pray for Phil across the street. I pray for my basketball buddies. God, I pray for my neighbors. I pray for Tom. God, I pray. Lord, don't come back until, until I reach my family. Don't come back until my coworkers all know you, Lord. Don't come back, Lord, until my neighbors know until my spouse knows. Oh, God. God, burn a passion in their hearts, God, to reach the lost, to make a difference. And God, I pray as we officially close the service, but Lord, we can linger, I know, but God, I pray that you would just go before us, behind us, and all around us. And Lord, I pray that we would take this flame this fire that we just sang about and let us live it out moment by moment in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You can stay in worship. Worship team, if you just lead us one more time, the set of fire, and uh, we'll see where things go. But let's just continue as the Lord leads you. Praise the Lord.